had a full day already. It is an awesome day. It's beautiful outside. Great day to go home and grill out some burgers or some steaks or go get something. Whatever you do, don't make mama cook, okay? Unless that's what she really loves to do, all right? Don't make her. Yeah, Kevin, see that look? Did you see that look right there? Hey, best sermon illustration I've ever had. Today I want to preach a message called, He's Got Your Nose. Uh, this is out of John five nineteen, and uh, I was praying, you know, and seeking the Lord, and if you know me, you know, I try to, sometimes I might make too big of a deal out of it, and it might be overdramatic, but I really, I really want to know what the Lord has for me to give to you. I don't, you know, it's, the Bible is a huge book. It's got lots and lots and lots of stuff in it, so, you know, it's not a big deal to go to the Bible, open it up, find a verse, and make a three-point sermon. That's not, that's not that big of a deal if you love to do that and you like to do that. It might be hard if you just can't stand doing stuff like that. But for me, you know, I can go. and. But I just, I don't want to do that. You know, I see where Samuel in the Old Testament, he goes before the Lord and he pleads, he pleads before the Lord and he says, Lord, give me the word that I need to give to the people. Give me the word that I need to give to the people. Because at the end of the day, even if I get it out of the Word, it can be beneficial and it can sharpen and it's always good advice out of the Word of God. But the anointed Word of God needs to come to you from the Lord through the Word and then be given to the people. And that happens through me. It happens through you. You see, if you live in a life that you're walking hand in hand with the Lord and you're talking with the Lord and you are hearing from the Lord and you're speaking to the Lord, what happens is, is that He supernaturally, through the movement of the Holy Spirit, through the drawing of the Father, He draws you nearer to Christ and He gives you words, prophetically speaking, uh, not new revelation that we would add to the Bible, but uh, revelatory nonetheless, that he would help me to, 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 to see into someone's life and to be able to apply the Word of God to that person in love and in gentleness that I might be able to and that you might be able to help them to come to a better understanding of Christ, to help them to come to a, a more realized, uh, meaningful relationship with Christ. And so, what I would say is, is that we all, especially the preacher, but we all should be walking with Christ and, and seeking the Lord in such a way that we would have a word. The Bible says to be ready in season and out of season to give an answer for your faith, right? And so I think that we need to be in the word, but not just studying it as a mechanical black and white. Well, I know this about the Bible. No, but that Christ might use the word in our, in our life to trim away what doesn't need to be there, to help us to speak life into someone else, to help us to do all things pertaining to life, because the Bible is the inspired word of God, and it helps us to know how to do life as we apply it. Now, I say all that to say, when it comes to special holidays and Christmas, you know, the church in general, as we know it, what do they do? Every time they'll have a, a sermon that is about Mother's Day or it's about Christmas. Well, sometimes that's tough because what if the Lord isn't, I mean, we made up Mother's Day, not to say that it's anything wrong with, I love honoring mothers on Mother's Day, but that's man, you know, said we're going to honor mothers on this day. How do you know that the Lord said preach about mothers this day? Have you ever thought about that before? Or Christmas, you know, or name the holiday, any of them. So as I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm kind of a little hesitant, you know, to preach on Mother's Day because I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to know what, what would you have me to preach today? And it just so happens that, and it might just be a little bit of we can see Christ in everything that we do. So 
what did I preach last week? And some of you weren't here last week. Or what did I preach the week before that? And in the series before that, we, pre- we preached and we talked and we talked about the upside-down kingdom, about the world being counterculture to what Jesus Christ is. Jesus says it's this way, and every single time across the board, we see the world says it's this way. So we can believe the world, and we can go this way, or we can believe Christ, and we can go this way, and we must live really upside down in comparison to the world because the world says all of these different things, and we either say amen to the world or we say amen to God. We can't say amen to both, right? The Bible would say that in a lot of different ways. Speaking of money, it says you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. And so we either serve Christ or we serve the world. Well, that led us right into what I feel like God was wanting for us, and that is to really drop the hammer last week and say, where do you stand in relationship to your sin? Now, I say relationship to your sin because Who's the sinless one in the room? That's exactly what I I thought. I can't raise my hand either. So we all have sin, right? Amen? This is a two-way street. Let's talk to one another, okay? It helps me when you preach at me, right? What what is it, Adam? What was it? Blow the trumpet. (laughs) This is a two-way street. So we say all of us in the room have sin in our life, right? The the. The deciding factor, and one question that we need to ask, though, is that, okay, we all have sin. Now, what's the relationship to your sin? Do you love your sin? Do you, do you pet and coddle and draw your sin in? Do you, do you hide it? Do you, do you justify it? Do you defend your sin? A brother or sister in Christ comes to you and says, hey, I'm worried about you. It looks like you've got this sin in your life. Do you say, hold on? Hold up, wait a minute, <laughs> you know? You say, hold on a second, who you think you, but that, all that shows me is, is that I know I've got this sin in my life, and it's making me angry that you're talking about my sin. Don't you talk about my sin. So we got in last week to say, okay, how you feel, since we all got sin, how you feel about your sin is going to tell on who you really are. Do you justify your sin? And so as we move in this direction, I just was praying and seeking the Lord this week and really hit sin right in the mouth last week. And we said, everyone's going to sin, but it's not enough to just stop committing your sin. That's religion. It's not enough to say, well, I'm going to... I'm going to take my TV out of the house because I have a problem with this. I'm going to, I'm going to sell all my stuff because I got a problem with it. I'm going to, it's not enough to do things in order to distance yourself from your sin because that can just be religion. Now, we do need to do that. The Bible says if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, that's not literal, okay? We don't need to all be walking around like this. But what that's saying is that you need to take the necessary steps in order to cut your sin off from your life. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Doing a religious duty, a legalistic work that you would dress real proper, that you would speak really correctly, that you would do all the things seemingly right, doesn't necessarily mean that you've been regenerated inside in your soul. Do you hate your sin because you love your Jesus? Now, 
The reason I kind of recapped all of that so much is because it was odd that Jesus, that the Lord would call me as I prayed and I sought the Lord. He would lead me this week on Mother's Day to preach a sermon that starts to, and this will take a couple of weeks. I pray if you're a visitor, if you don't have a home church, please come back. Because what I want to show in this, starting in this week and in the next couple of weeks, I want to show you the difference between the security of a believer, the security of a believer, and the assurance of a believer. Because I had some people text me after last week's sermon. I had some people call me. Some people Facebook message me. And rightly said, Brother Brandon, Pastor Brandon, I, your, your sermon rocked my world. I'm looking at my life now, and I'm looking at some of the things I'm doing. I'm looking at some of the sin in my life and, and things that I've let creep in and, and how I feel about them. And I'm starting to wonder, how do you know? I'm worried, Brandon. How do you know? How do I know that I'm saved? I don't want to stand before the Lord and him say, I never, who, who are you again? And to that, I don't say, oh, you poor pit. No, I say, Amen. Because we all need to stand in front of the mirror and we need to examine ourselves to see whether or not we be in the faith. But what I don't want to do is to leave you hopeless and wondering and think that there is no way for you to have assurance if you're a true child of God. Because God doesn't mean for us to live like this. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. We'll have to wait and see. No. You can be sure that you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you can be confident as you walk in this world. But now I want to make a distinction here. I want to make a distinction between the security of a believer, meaning the eternality of your salvation, meaning this, is that it will never, ever, 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 ever go away if you've truly been saved. You are secure in the Lord's hand. It cannot be taken away. You cannot lose it. You can't walk out of it. You can't choose to take yourself out of the hand of God. But now that is a lot different from being sure you were ever in the hand to begin with. Is everybody trekking with me? You following me so far? I want to make a distinction. I want to see because even with some of the denominations that we've partnered with, this, this question of eternal security or the perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved, this idea is drawn into question. And a lot of the Pentecostal churches that we are affiliated with and we partner with and we want to do life with them, they don't believe that. Now, I'm not calling out any one denomination because Baptists got their problems, Pentecostals got their problems, Methodists got their everybody's got their problems. That's why we never identified with just one denomination. We want to take what's good about a denomination because it highlights Christ, and we can work with that. But if it's not in the Bible, I don't really care. I'm just being honest with you, okay? Now, I have to look and see this view of no eternal security, and the doctrine would go something. You say, what is this guy? I thought he was going to connect this with Mother's Day. Hold on, just wait, because this is actually like a mother. And I think every single person in every single position in life, when they do that rightly, you can see Christ in it, because Christ is all, okay? 
So we look at the doubt of this doctrine and we say, what they believe is, is that you come into Christ, okay, and as long as you are living like you are supposed to be living, you are saved. But the minute that you step out of Jesus Christ and you make a mistake, well, then you're not saved anymore. But then you can come back into your salvation if you repent and if you come back into your good works. I got a problem with that. It's just called the Bible. I want to read some scripture today that I think blows that idea out of the water. I want to touch base on the security of the believer this morning. And the scripture that I want to start with first is John 5, 19. Now, that was a long introduction, but I kind of felt like I needed to give some of you guys that are here for the first time today a little bit of where we've been and a little bit of where we're going. Because if you know anything about me, I don't want you coming in here and leaving with nothing. I'm not here to make you laugh. I'm not here to be fine. I'm not here to, I just want you to learn something about Jesus that you can put in the bank today, okay? So before we get into the Word of God, which we've got to get into or we've done nothing, let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would make a move in this place and that you would, that you would cause somebody to collapse on their face in front of you weeping out because of your lovely face. I pray, God, that we would see our sin and that we would hate it. I pray, God, that we would see our faults and our failures and that we would run to the cross, Lord. I pray that we would bow before the Father who gives every good gift that comes down from above. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom today to see where we are in relationship to our sin and to repent of our sin. But I pray at the same time, God, that you would show us your glory, that you would show us your favor, that mercy would be granted unto us and that forgiveness would wash over us and that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have been cleansed from all unrighteousness if we have called upon the one that can cleanse. Behold, people, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Trust in him. Love him, for he is faithful to his word. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust him that when you're in his hand, nobody can take you out. Jesus, plant that in our hearts today. May it be said that we are true believers of the one true God. And even when we're faithless, he will be faithful. I pray that anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you today and been truly born into the kingdom, that they would come under deep and sorrowful conviction. I do not pray for light pleasantries in this room. I pray for deep-seated, contrite hearts that are broken before the Lord that he might put them back together again. I pray for spiritual salvation. I pray that this wasn't just a show that we put on with these children, but that we would declare this day, you go ahead and serve who you want, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray, God, that we would make that stand and that we would love you with every ounce of our being and acknowledge you in everything that we do. And we would not lean on our own understanding, but we would trust, trust, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, open up your Bibles with me to John 5, 19. John 5, 19, the, the passage today, uh, the title today, rather, the message is He's Got Your Nose. I want to give you a little bit of window into how I came up with that and how, where I got that from. We were at our bucket group the other night, and uh, we were all sitting around the dining room table, and we were uh, enjoying some fellowship and some talking, and we've just developed a really good bond in our bucket group. We have a lot of fun, don't we? And uh, we were talking, and we were showing some pictures of kids, and I've got this uh, picture of me and Titus. I don't have it here, but I've got this picture of me and Titus around the same age, both of us in a blue polo shirt, both of us with kind of the same haircut, and 
uh, he looks almost just like me. I mean, when I was that age, almost just like me. But one difference. I've got kind of a long, ugly nose, and my wife's got this pretty little button nose, you know, that's just... And uh, Lindsay Ballinger was there, and she was, we were looking at those pictures, and Lindsay says, she looks at Heather, and she says, he's got your nose. And he does. He really does, doesn't he? He's got her nose. He's got a lot of what, what I have, but he's got her nose. And I just got to thinking about that this week as I was thinking about the security of the believer and the assurance of the believer. And it just struck a chord with me that, that the Bible over and over and over again says that we are, be, we are to be conformed to the image of the Son. How do we know that we've been saved? We know that we've been saved when we look like, talk like, walk like, and act like Jesus. When we look like our Father, then we know we are our Father's child. Amen? How many times have you walked up to somebody and they got their little boy with them? Or maybe they wasn't even around. You know, you see a, a kid. I go to the schools a pretty good bit and I see a child. And, and all the time it happens, I'll see a child. I have, I've never spoken to that child. I don't know that child's name, but I know exactly whose mama that child is. I know exactly. I'll look at him. i say, I know who your daddy is. They'll say, you don't know me. i say, I know I don't know you, but I know your daddy. Amen. How perfect is this? I'm telling you right now, he's got your nose. Do you have his nose? Do you have his eyes? Do you have his heart? Do you have his hands? You see, most or a lot, I won't say most. Most of the people in most of our churches are saying they're children of the one true king, but they don't look nothing like him. They don't act like him. They don't talk like him. They don't walk like him. They ain't got his nose. You see, the Bible says, let's read, let's read John 5, 19, and I just want you to, I just want you to kind of think about, you see, the, the Bible clearly tells us that all of, all, all of we need to know about God, and all of God is, is completely and fully displayed in creation. That means you can see God everywhere. That doesn't just mean you can look at a tree and how it grows and it's like, man, look at the magnificence of the tree or the magnificence of the mountain, man. This is like God. There's got to be a God. You can do that. I mean, anybody that can stand under an oak tree that's 200 years old and seven foot in diameter and say, well, that was an accident. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's absurd, but in all of creation. So we look at how much a father or a son looks like his father or a son looks like his mother, and we see all of these windows and these types that, that God says, see, this is how I am. All of creation displays God's glory. I want you to read with me in John 5, 19. It says this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. How many of you, you notice sometimes your kids doing the same exact things that you're doing? You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. That whether it's good or whether it's bad, those kids are watching you and they are like photographic memory. And they will call you in a minute, right? So the other day I'm riding up the road and uh, I'm talking on the phone to someone. And I, I, I think it was Dustin Dreyer. I can't remember who it was. Somebody. And I was jokingly like, oh, man, shut up. Something like that. Ezekiel's in the back seat. 
Little head comes around. He's like, we ain't supposed to say shut up. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're right, son. I repent. <laughs> right? He's just, you ever heard somebody say, he's just like his daddy. She's just like her mama. Right? Whenever, every time my kids start crying, I'll be like, I love you. <laughs> you ain't like your mama. Let's just keep on going here. Uh, so anyway, whatever, we, what, whatever he sees the father doing, he also does, right? Let me ask you a question. You say, okay, Brandon, you, you rocked my world last week. You're talking about my sin. Well, I got pet sins, Brandon. I got sins that don't nobody know about. I got sins that I really love. And I don't want you to know about them because I know you are going to challenge them. Why do you do things and hide them from your wife? Why do you do things and hide them from your children? Now, children are a little different because some things they're just not ready for. That's okay. Is there one thing, one, that you hide from your wife? There's your sin. Is there one thing that you hide from your husband that he doesn't know about? And maybe you've justified it. Maybe you said, oh, he don't care. Oh, he don't need to know. Oh, he don't understand. Why do we hide things? The Bible says that we are to live in the light as he is in the light. Those things hidden will be revealed in the end. How scary of an idea is that? You know when you stand before the Lord, none of that stuff is hidden anymore. Ever again. Everyone will know. It will be on display. Why? To shame you, to ridicule you, to knock you down, to kill you. Part of it will be judgment for those of us who don't believe. You see, for those of us who don't believe, for those of us who are still under the judgment of our sin, all of those sins, all of those thoughts, you thought that your worst sin was your worst sin, but it's not. Your worst sins comes out of the overflow of your heart. Your worst sin, it might not even be on display. It might be hidden from everyone else, but it's the sin that looks at Jesus and says, I hate you, and I will not trade you for this. And it will be on display for all to see. Why? Because it will prove God's righteous judgment when he casts you into outer darkness for all of eternity to experience the wrath of God. Or, for those of you who have accepted Christ, it'll still play. Why? Why? Why would it still play? Because, you see, we have our sins too. And as believers stand, and this, this, this comes across the display, and everything that is hidden comes to the light, why would he play it? Why would he play it? It's because when, he stand, when all of this sin is revealed, all of these terrible thoughts from the best of us, from the best of you, all of these sinly, sin-disgusting thoughts are still there and hadn't been eradicated yet. Oh, they're all still there. Why would he display it? It's because when he stands and he says, I paid for that, his glory would be magnified even more. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is to show the justice or the mercy of God. 
Do you love God? Do you look like him? Do you walk like him? Do you talk like him? Are you merciful like him? You see, this day today, I, 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 and I'm not going to really get deep into the doctrine of security. I will be hitting hardcore. It'll be a lot of teaching next week. I want to show you the security of the believer. But what I'm telling you today is if you want to see that, come back next week. Because I'm going to tell you this. The Bible is very clear. Is that if you know God, if you've been born into his family, you can't lose it. You can't. He, you think he's going to let that happen? When we have come into salvation, when we have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and we are walking in him, see, we don't walk like Christ because we've decided to walk like Christ. We walk like Christ because he lives in us and he's coming out of us. You see, Galatians chapter 5 says that, that, the, that the gifts of the Spirit are... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is the, this is the def definition of or the characteristics of God. This is what Christ is like. So you see, it's the gifts of the Spirit. It's not the gifts of you guys. It's not, it's not my gifts. It's not the gifts of Andrew or Wesley. It's the gifts of the Spirit that the Lord plants inside of you. And Romans chapter 8, we call that the spirit of adoptions as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So when you become a child of God, when you become a, a, a man or a woman of God, you receive a spirit of adoptions as sons by which we cry out, Daddy. Now, as we look at Mother's Day and as we honor mothers, let me tell you, how many of you mothers, let me ask you, how many of you mothers would turn your back on your child? You see, the Bible says if we as earthly fathers who are wicked would do good things to our sons, how much more would the Father bless us? Christ is not going to let you down. Christ is not going to turn his back on you. Some of the some of the greatest pictures of Christ can be found in a mother. I will take you to one place. I just think this is a great place. You can turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and let's start in verse mm, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, now this is where I want to kind of touch for just a minute. We'll return to these verses next week. But it says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Now, this picture right here is of, is of a big God. It's of a powerful God, of a powerful Savior, and that of a shepherd which uses his hands to protect his flock. He uses who he is and the power that he has to protect his flock. He says that all that the Father has given to me, all that my sheep hear my voice, they will come to me, they will follow me, and I will lose none of, none of them. No one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. What is he saying there? 
He's saying that I am more powerful and I will over turn I will over I will overpower anyone that comes against my children see you can trust the Lord because he's powerful you can trust the Lord because he loves you you can trust the Lord because he's faithful and he's trustworthy like a mother you can rest you see I was walking down Hamo had a problem with his well the other night and his well is down the hill through the woods uh, through this bamboo patch, and it's a little, looks like a little house right there with a door on it. You got to go into this, you got to duck in and go in there, spider webs everywhere, right? So I start to go out the door, and I don't know anything about plumbing. I know a lot about a lot, but I don't know anything about plumbing. But I called up a plumber, and he told me what to do. I said, okay. But the point I want to make is, is that I start to go out the door to go down to Hambone's well pump house. It's nighttime. It's just pitch black dark. And my little boy, Ezekiel, he's five years old. He's like, oh, daddy, can I come? Can I come? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we go and we get a flashlight out of the car. And, and uh, he says, can I hold the flashlight? I said, yeah, you can hold the flashlight. So here we go walking down the yard. And we get to the woods, right? And we start walking through the woods. Well, my little boy, he's five years old, pitch black dark, walking through the woods. I mean, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. But my five-year-old, he's, I look over at him, and he's walking like this. And it just hit me. I asked him. I said, are you, are you not scared? You know what he said? He's got my hand. He says, no, you're with me. It would have been the same thing if she would have been with him. Now, she wouldn't have went down there. But, I hope this don't make me look bad. But for an experimental purposes, for you, for the well, for Jesus, I let go of his hand and stood back real quick. He's like, Daddy! I mean, immediately. Right? Shining a light around. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm right here, I'm right here, I'm right here. And he's like, oh, I didn't know where you went. Why was, why was he fearless, fearless when I was by his side? Why? Come on, why? He felt safe, why? Daddy was there. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if, if you were my size or if you were small. No, daddy is there. Daddy's bigger. Daddy's smarter. Daddy's faster. Daddy's got me. Now, I'm a jacked up sinner. I've got sin in my life. If he can trust me like that, why can't I trust him like that? If he can walk fearlessly through the woods at night because of me, why do I walk around in the world like this? Jesus is just like a mom. I'm going to tell you right now, my wife is the most loving. You can ask Wesley, if my wife thinks that anybody is upset with her, oh my gosh. I'm on a mission because she's going to make me fix it. She is the most gentle. She, now, you get her fired up, though. You mess with her kids. She will punch you in the face. 
I see some of these ladies out here going, that's right. Mess with my kid. You know, you ever seen them, as soon as somebody they start walking out, mess with my kid. You know, that's what their eyebrows go, yeah, come on. You think you bad? Mama bear. <laughs> Bam, you don't want to mess. What is like, every time in the movie, like how, how do they equate like the most ferocious animal of all time? What is it? A mama bear with her cubs. You don't want to mess with a mama bear with her cubs. Probably without her cubs either. Women are crazy. <laughs> crazy. He says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Uh, next week, I want to go a little bit more in depth. And I want to show you the eternal security of the believer. I want to do so in a couple different ways. If you want to go and read a little ahead of me, and we're going to unpack some of these verses, John chapter 10, just read the whole chapter. Romans chapter 8, you can read the whole chapter. Focus really heavy, 31 and after. Um, Rome, I mean, John chapter 6 is, is really good. Uh, all that the Father has given to me, they will come to me, and I will not lose one of them. And what I want to do is I don't want to get you out of hot water. Because if you're wondering whether or not you're a Christian, you need to wonder. But at the same time, that's a good thing. It can be a bad thing if it leads to distrust. We don't need to distrust. But we do, Paul does say, examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. Let me, let me tell you something. I'll, I'll close with this, and if the band wants to go ahead and, and come up, I'm going to close with this. The eternal security of a believer is in no way or by any means a free pass to sin. You see, many people twist and manipulate this doctrine to lead them to a place where they say, oh, I prayed my prayer. I'm good. Now I can do whatever I want to do. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Because all that tells me is, is that you just wanted to get a piece of paper. But a true son, a true son looks like his father. He looks like his mother. He walks, talks, and acts like those who he belongs to. As we all stand to our feet, I want to I ask you today. What type of family do you have? Because this is where I think, I think, I think that I heard the Lord speak fairly clearly a little bit earlier. And <clears throat> I think there are a lot of people <clears throat> in this church... I know there are a lot of people in this church who you have really been hurt before by other churches, by people who claim the name of Christ. You may have been hurt by us before because we are by no means perfect. But what I do want to say is, is that I long to have a relationship with you. Now, I'm crazy busy and so are all of you because we've got kids and we've got life and we've got all of these things baseball and all of these different things right 
But I do want you to know that as much as I can be here for you, I want to be here for you. But if I can't be here for you, I know that there are others that can be there for you. And I want you, you as an individual. See, so many people are standing back saying, they don't like me. They are not a part of me. I want you to think about Jesus Christ and how he does things. You see, Christ comes and he is there with you to the end. Christ went to the cross for you to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know, you say, they might let me down. You see, Jesus Christ knew, Cody, that you will let him down. Not only today, but tomorrow and the next, and so will I. You see, Jesus Christ, even as he was on the cross, he knew the sins that you were going, that you had already committed, that you are committing, and that you will ever commit. You say, what has this got to do with anything? See, Jesus Christ is like the ultimate mother or the ultimate father. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall. We're going to slip. We're going to We're going to make a mess of things. But he is always going to be there. And that's how we need to be. You see, if he was ever going to quit, if he was ever going to give up, it would have been on the cross. In his greatest moment of pain, if there would have ever been a moment where he would have said, it's not worth it, then would have been the time to quit. You see, Jesus Christ on the cross tells us a lot of things. It tells us that he did pay for our sins. You see, you're a guilty sinner just like me. And you owe God. You owe God your life because you sinned against him and the wages of sin is death. But you see, the love of God took him to the cross, but the love of God held him to it. Because he saw what you would do. He saw who you were going to be. And he said, I'll take it anyway. If he didn't give up on you then, why? Why, child of God, would he give up on you now? No, he wouldn't. Now I want to ask you, people of God, some of you need salvation today. I pray that you go to Christ But some of you in this room, you hear the word of the Lord, and you've given up on God's people. You've given up on God's people because they might have hurt you, or because they sinned, or because they did this, or they did that to you. Will you not be like your father? Will you not walk out to the very end with them until the day that it's all said and done? You see, he was taking the lashes and he said, give me another. He he was taking the lashes. He said, give me another. I'm going to the end, even though they are the ones crucifying me. Who are you upset with today? Why have you walked away from the church? Will you not forgive? Will you not say, hey, I'm here for you? Will you not do life with us? Can we not walk together in forgiveness? It's so lost today. Everybody wants to talk about love. 
Will you show it? Like he showed it. As we think about these things, we want to, can you bring the lights back up for a moment? We want to have all the ladies. Want to, let's see how we want to do this. We want to honor all the we want to we want to honor all the ladies in the room, all the mothers. Could all the mothers just raise your hand? Let's do that. Let's raise your hand. Can we go ahead and start handing these roses out? We've got a rose for you. But now also, I want to give these roses out. Go ahead and start giving out roses to anybody that's got their hands up. You can start passing them down the aisle. Just take the bucket around. Okay, I'll tell you what, mothers, let's do that. Since we got so many in here, just come down the wall and come up here. We want to hand you a rose. But we want to have the mothers do it first. But we also understand that there are ladies in the room that you would love to have children. Maybe you've not been able to have a child. Maybe the Lord hasn't brought that time in your life yet. Maybe some other reason you've not been able to do that. We want to bless you too because what we are praying today is that you would be a mother to someone. Is that you would reach out and touch and love someone. So mothers, if you could come down around through here and we want to hand you a rose. We want to bless you. Can you please do that? All of you. All the ladies. There's nothing more beautiful than a mother. children or not because we know that you have poured into someone's life we know that you have been there for someone so come on all ladies we've got we've got a bunch of roses we want to bless all of you ladies stuck in or somewhere we've got plenty of roses here anybody that couldn't get up here any husbands that your wife's hard-headed and she didn't come <laughs> don't you better not raise your hand gotcha <laughs> 
You know, I, sometimes I often worry that our order of service, you know, would kind of knock off worship or take away the movement of the Holy Spirit, but I think that's a man-made worry. You know what I'm saying? That we would kill a mood or anything like that. Look, I don't want you to, I don't want you to move because, you know, the shock and awe of how they did things. I want, you know, who, who, I want to know who has felt the power of God today? Isn't God so good? Who, who, has, who has heard the word of God and felt the truth pressed into their heart that, 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 wants, that leads them to repent, that leads them to love harder and to love longer and to be better? As the lights come back down, I think everyone's to their seat. We're going to have one last worship song here. and I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to Christ. You know, we oftentimes talk about the front down here like it's something special. And I want to reiterate that that's the wrong idea if that's what you've come to think. Coming down here isn't anything like, you know, magical or it washes away. The only reason that anybody would come to the front is just because... They're letting everybody know. They're signifying. They, you know, they, 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 man, they're falling on their face. This just is a representation of Christ. This is nothing more. You can do this sitting there. You can do it standing there. You can do it up here. I just like to get on my knees before the Lord. But I want to ask you today, where are you at in your life? Maybe last week you got torn to pieces by the Word of God, and it was a good thing. You know, in order to grow good crops, sometimes we just need to bust up the ground. Right. And today, I don't want to offer you false comfort. If last week tore you apart and you're bitterly wept because of your sin, hey, repent. Don't get false assurance like, oh, I prayed that prayer. No, sir. Because as we look at assurance, remember, a true child of God will walk like, talk like, and act like Christ. Yeah, you'll fall. Yeah, you'll fail. But Titus, he can fall as much as he wants to in sin or anything else, he's still going to have his mama's nose. So I want to offer you a time of response, whether it's there, whether it's here. And I want to ask you, what business do you need to do with God? Have you really been mistrusting God? Do you doubt your salvation? Are you working in order to prove your salvation? Or are you working because you love Jesus? If you love Christ, take a deep breath Lift up your head and you march out into that world just like he's got your hand. Because he does. If you don't know him, you get on your face and you cry out to the Father. Let's respond to him. Let's worship. Let's worship him.